0: This is PhotobizX episode number 463, and today we are talking high-end headshot photography. We cover strategies on client acquisition, one that I hadn't heard of before called LinkedIn Mining. In addition to that, there is so much good stuff shared by our incredible guest. His name is John Meadows, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts
1: to fast track your success. Welcome
0: to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast podcast. Like I mentioned, today's guest is a headshot photographer, but please stick around whether or not you photograph headshots because you will pick up some great actionable ideas from John when his interview comes up in just a minute. Before we get into that, if you haven't caught last week's episode with Nidi Dahia, The feedback has been absolutely incredible following that interview. Nidhi is US-based. She has an incredibly successful photography business, plus a demanding full-time job as well. You'll hear the way she prioritizes the things that will actually move the needle in her business, which has meant she has been able to stay incredibly focused on the things that really do make a difference in running her photography business. Like I said, the feedback has been incredible. Get back and have a listen to that one if you haven't heard it. But be prepared, this is a warning, be prepared to feel like you are underachieving if you do go back and have a listen to Nitty. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. Okay, we are going to jump into this interview with John Meadows in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with John. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. So if you are loving what John shares in the first half of this interview and you'd like to access the full interview, you can do that for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. More details on that are over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is a headshot photographer based in Washington, D.C. in the U.S., His first headshot photography gig, believe it or not, was photographing one of the nine members of President Obama's National Security Council in the office building next to the White House. And yes, I was told he was also given a little tour of the press room and the Oval Office on that day as well. He says he had no intention of setting up a headshot photography business, but was fired from his nine-to-five job and decided and had to go full-time with headshots. Last year, his photography business revenue exceeded three hundred and eighty thousand US dollars Now, his website features beautifully lit portraits shot against plain backgrounds, and he takes what I would call an aggressive approach in leading visitors to a single landing page with no other obvious navigation menu. I'm looking forward to learning more from a photographer who looks to be doing incredibly well in this space. Our guest and who I'm talking about is John Meadows, and I'm wrapped to say that he's with us now. John, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Andrew. I'm excited to get to talk to you.
0: Wow, me too. I just reading through that intro, I'm like, wow, I can't wait to dive in. I guess that my first question is, what happened with the nine to five job? Why did you get fired?
1: Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, I think I could have been better at my job. I was doing political communications, and I it was the strangest thing. I started off there after my boss on the Hill lost reelection. And two weeks in, they're like, "You're doing great. We love what you're doing." And I was like, "I'm still kind of trying to figure out what we do, but I'm glad you're happy." And then it went south, and I, I had a bad six month review, and I fixed almost everything. There was one thing I didn't really make any progress on. Got switched to a different boss. They added a new project to my plate that I didn't sign up for, and um, it was difficult. And then I got a second review at the one-year mark, and uh, there were different critiques which triggered a three-day review process. Uh, They hired someone to help me do my job better. I learned a lot. I put a lot of effort into it. I got my assets ready to do a much better job, and they said, you didn't get better enough, so we're going to fire you. Uh, I think it had a little bit to do with my online presence, presenting myself as a headshot photographer and not talking about what we were doing at the nonprofit, (laughs) but I don't think I'll ever know.
0: Okay. So you were actually running the headshot photography business concurrently or at the same time with the other job.
1: Yeah. I started learning headshots right as I was starting the job and started making side money with it right away. Right. And is
0: that something like, certainly I would feel funny about sharing that with my employers if I had a a full-time job. Is that something you tried to keep hidden from them?
1: No, I mean, I didn't talk about it a lot, as I recall, but I was very active on LinkedIn. I knew I needed to be on LinkedIn for professional headshots. So I was talking about that there, talking about how I work, posting my work. It was all headshot focused. So uh, it wasn't focused on the nonprofit at all, because <laughs> like months in, I realized like, I shouldn't say that I'm a communications person, but I also do headshots. I should just start saying, I'm a headshot photographer because I am. And uh, that will make me be taken a little more seriously, I think, as a photographer.
0: Absolutely. So did you have intentions back then, John, of going full-time with photography or was it meant to be a a side hustle?
1: Yeah. In 2017, I'd say in the second half of the year, I started thinking that I would quit January 1st, 2020 and go full-time, which would have been awful timing to leave the paycheck and go out on my own with COVID. So they fired me at a a much better time for me to go full-time.
0: Okay. So it was really a blessing in disguise. And So when you were given the push, you know, was it a no-brainer? Okay, it's going to be headshots now. Was there enough revenue to support you and your family at that time with headshot photography?
1: There wasn't enough revenue, but I knew that if I had a lot more time to devote to it that I could. I would say the first half of 2017, I was learning a lot and getting better every week, every shoot for six months. And then after that, I got better, but I wasn't getting dramatically better every shoot. And at that time, I started charging. I did 12000 in sales as a side hustle in 2017 when I was learning. So I got fired in March of 2018. And I was coming up against the challenge of people wanting to book, but I could only shoot after six on weekdays or on the weekend Saturdays. So I knew that if I had more time to work on the business and I had more time to shoot during the workday, that I would be able to get more clients. So I was making 63 at my job. I made 12 in sales the year before. I was tired of politics by that time, and I knew that it would take time to get another job. So it seemed like the most reasonable approach would be to head out and just start earning money with what I was already earning money with rather than going and applying to different jobs.
0: Sure. And you mentioned before we started recording that you've got kids. I'm assuming that you have a partner. Are you married?
1: Yes. My wife, Katie. Mainly uh, focuses on taking care of the kids, three kids under five. It's a challenge. (laughs) I also mentioned we're doing a kitchen renovation. So we have no kitchen. We've got like card tables and camping (laughs) cooking gear that we're using right now. We bought a grill for the backyard. So it's a lot going on right now in our house. So she helps me be able to work on the business.
0: Cool. So let me take you back to, you know, when you got laid off, like you said, you've got three kids, you've got Katie there. Did you guys have a discussion about, okay, should it be headshots full time? Do we dive in and take a risk of this? Or did you consider another job as well?
1: We didn't really consider another job. It was actually decent timing. It just seemed like, you know, if you can do 12 part-time, then you can do 68, which is what I ended up with in 2018. If you're full-time, I just knew that I was gaining momentum. People were happy with the headshots. I was getting better. I was quickly raising my prices. So I was really tired of the old job. So I didn't (laughs) want to do that anymore. It's it's uh, not the best work-life balance when you get an email that the president said something and you have to stop whatever you're doing and try to figure out what he said. If you you or your organization or the member of Congress you work for agrees with it, disagrees with it, agrees with it in part, disagrees with it in part, wants to say something or wants to be quiet, um, now I get those emails and I'm like, okay, cool, I'm going back to what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> so good.
0: So at that time, you mentioned there that you know you were getting inquiries, getting bookings, but you couldn't fulfill them all because of the time constraints, because of the the day job. What do you feel was, was it that you were doing that was generating those extra inquiries? Was it your photography getting better or was it your marketing?
1: I would say it was uh, my photography was getting better, but I would say it was in the beginning, it was just having more work to show. I think for me, what I offer is, very consistent, and people know what they're going to get when they come to me. It's not, uh, if they have special requests, we can try to, you know, do a different background or do a looser crop, but they know what they're coming for. And so, in the beginning, I was just able to show a consistency when I shot my seventh person that it was like the six before it. <laughs> So I think it was that a lot of more of my business was coming from friends or connections like that. I actually knew not LinkedIn in the beginning. So I think it was talking about it. I talked about a lot (laughs) and just having those friends and, and it actually makes sense because I've noticed on LinkedIn, I do this thing called LinkedIn mining now, which is when I post a picture of someone, a client, I tag them and let them know. I've tagged them. I asked them to like or comment. They like or comment. And it shows to their network, like 10% of their network, probably. And I've learned that pictures, headshots that are great of people uh, that people know are much, much more powerful than a big portfolio of people they haven't met. So they can be like, wow, Mike's not that good looking, but that's a really good (laughs) picture of Mike. Yes. (laughs) Um, I've had people on the phone ask if those were Models or actors or stock images, they like, did you take those? I'm like, yes,
0: so, that is so true. I mean, I actually photographed a, a friend of mine not that long ago in a cycling club for a, a business portrait, and he came out looking, you know, a million dollars. And all our cycling friends saw it and said, Holy, is that Vish? Like, I, who took that photo? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> um, and then just to finish up LinkedIn mining, then I go and I look at who reacted to it because if you see a friend on LinkedIn got a great new headshot, you're gonna at least like it. And then I connect with those people, add a note and say, hey, I saw you liked Phil's headshot. Can we connect? Some variation of that. And you know, if I do that to a hundred people, a couple people write back and be like, oh, I was actually wondering if I could work with you and how how does this work? Like it was really great. I'm interested or even I'll be interested in the summer. And I put them in my CRM and I follow up and I convert a, a decent number of those sorts of connections.
0: This is awesome, John. So just tell me, is this what you were doing or is this what you're doing now?
1: This is what I've been doing probably over the last year or year and a half.
0: Okay. I'm going to come back to, them, to the LinkedIn mining, but let me just take you back to the early days. So it sounds like you were heavily utilizing LinkedIn. You know, did you have an email database as well? Were you on Facebook? Were you on Instagram? Or was it 100% in on LinkedIn?
1: It was a little LinkedIn in the beginning. It was more Facebook uh, since I have a pretty wide network of people I kind of know from my church, which is a, a large church for me. I grew up in a, my dad's a pastor and we had a church of 25 members. And the church here is like 800 to 1,000 members. So I I was able to work the church network to get my first, you know, 20, 25 clients.
0: And just tell me about that process. Was that a... Was that you talking to members of the church? Was it, you know, uh, the pastor saying, hey, John's gone full time. He needs your support.
1: In the very beginning, I reached out to friends. So I had joined the Headshot crew. That's Peter Hurley's coaching program. And I wanted to enter Headshot of the week every week I could. So I would approach people by phone, by Facebook message, in person, and just tell them, like, I'm trying to do this Headshot thing. I just need people to come over and let me see what I'm doing. And uh, they would, I spread them out because of the contest. I don't want to shoot everybody in one week. And then I would use those test shoots, portfolio builders to post, and then people in the church would see them. So it went from pretty heavily, like I have to ask people, give them a session and an image to come over to let me do what I'm trying to do on them and then use that to post. And then it gradually shifted more towards people saying, hey, I saw this person's headshot. I'm interested.
0: Right. And so when you were building that portfolio and using them for the competitions,
1: were you also making sales as well?
0: So in the
1: beginning, I would say for the first like 10, 15 people, no, maybe maybe even 25 people. It's been a little while ago. But eventually I started... um what I recommend people building portfolios now do is ask someone to come over, say, I like your look. I want you in my portfolio or I want you to practice and I'd love to practice with you. I'm going to give you a session. I'm going to give you your favorite image, retouch. And that's a value of whatever it is. And if you want to purchase more, you can. There's no pressure. It's fine if you just like one and that's it. But if you want to, they're this amount. And I have people who have been following this and, and making like decent money because it's easier to price yourself even when you're new higher if you're planning to be giving people a session and an image. Like you're not trying to make them give you money to come over and shoot. It's free, but you get to set the price where you think it should be or where you want it to be. And then often... If you're studying with someone who's a good mentor in headshots, the bar is very low on headshots. You don't need to be amazing.
0: In what regard? You mean the actual photographic skills?
1: Uh, the process of headshots and the images of headshots. <laughs> um, people have bad experiences. I've heard the same story a hundred times from clients. It's The photographer was nice. He or she helped me with my clothes. He or she understood what I was using the images for. He or she got to know me a bit and relaxed me as much as possible with some chit-chat. Maybe he or she played music. Maybe he or she had a beverage. And then he or she told me to smile. And I don't like any of the pictures because they look (laughs) fake. (laughs) Um, Like so good until the end. And so people that come into me maybe have had 10 headshot sessions in their lives. They don't like any of them, really. I have people come in and be like, the last headshot I had was two years ago and I never posted any of them anywhere. I don't want the I I like my car selfie better than that. So you don't have to be the world's best headshot photographer to be much better than people have had in their last six experiences trying to get some headshots. So if your experience is good, decent, above average people are going to be blown away and they will buy extra images. It's my point.
0: Sure. But what it sounds to me like is that last little minute part of the process. That's the part that most photographers aren't getting. They're not getting the client to pose naturally or in a way that appeals to the client. Why are they going so wrong with that as photographers?
1: I think a lot of photographers are worried about the technical photography aspects, whether the lighting ratio is right or... Whether the even better than that is like, is the lighting on the face good? The lighting on the face is good. Wow. Look what I did with the light. But I want people to build trust and create connection with their headshots. I want it to be more like meeting them in person, which to me means they need to look authentic. They need to look like they're a friend looking at a friend. I think the best pictures a lot of people have are candids photographers hiding in the bush. They're having a drink, they're talking to a friend, they're having a good time. They take pictures from, you know, a quarter of the way around and it's candid, it's authentic. So they look better than normal, better than when they're just being told to smile and look into a camera.
0: So where does a listener who wants to pursue headshot photography learn that?
1: I learned it through headshot crew. Um, I originally did not want to take pictures of people. That's all I knew. I wanted to make money with photography, but I didn't want to take pictures of people. So the guy from President Obama's staff was uh, working with a realtor I was working with. The realtor was just letting me practice on some houses. He didn't even need the pictures because that's uh, my wife's aunt was making decent money doing real estate photography. And I didn't want to photograph people because I knew it would be Awkward to learn how to coach people. I had this innate sense that telling them to smile wouldn't result in images that I would want. And I didn't know how to light people. And I knew it would be weird to try to learn how to light someone, you know, like, oh, let me try this. No, you look bad there. Let me try this. No, (laughs) hideous. Uh, This is not working. Like, I can't make you look good no matter what I do. That's the scenario that was running in my mind. And Peter was teaching how to light people and how to coach people. So, through participating in the, the contests and being there and soaking that in he cares about the face. So I actually, you have to learn what you want out of your clients expression wise You have to be very good at reading faces, knowing what they do. One of the best compliments I've gotten was from a veteran's headshot event. And the woman contacted me later. She was interested in a group headshot session for her company, but she said, I've never seen my husband in a picture look like my husband and it was obviously that's good for the photo. That's great. But what was cool to me, even more than that maybe was that I didn't know the guy I spent five minutes with him, but I have studied the human face. I know how the face works authentically when it's on the friendly side of things. So I coached him to do the things that he does with his face, which is what he does with his face the rest of the time. So he looked like himself,
0: right? I love that. I love that. So you've gone on from what you've learned with Peter and his group to educate yourself even more by
1: the sound of it. His teaching is so influential, but it was that combined with really like obsession with it. I couldn't walk by people in the mall without, I would see what their headshot would look like with me (laughs) and what their expression, like I couldn't help it. It was, I've gotten over that. I don't do that anymore. But for a while it was like, overwhelming to just walk around. I bet, oh oh man, I'd love to shoot him. I know what he would look like. Oh man, look, I would know what she would do. She'd have a smirk and I like, I see it. It's kind of strange, but.
0: That is so good. I mean, I'm actually looking at your, your homepage, which is highendheadshots.com and I can see those expressions. I mean, there's a darker skinned lady with a, a head scarf on yeah. and she's got that smirk and it just suits her beautifully. That is so cool. Thank you. <laughs> So once you got your photography sorted and you you could create the images that you wanted to create that you saw in your in your mind's eye, what took you from you know sixty eight thousand dollars in revenue in twenty eighteen to you know over three hundred and eighty thousand last year?
1: Uh, well, it's my basic business strategy that I probably decided on about probably before I was fired, but doubled down on once i got fired which was i want to be the best at least in my area at headshot photography for professionals which is important cuz that pays money um, <laughs>
0: so not actors
1: you mean yeah professionals have money usually and are looking for raises or promotions or other jobs that are paying you know 50,000 100,000 150,000 more than what they have now So there's the, often the financial ability to pay and a payoff, financial payoff. They're not just buying these images because they make them feel good. And wow, that's really authentic. It is a marketing tool to make more money. And that's how I sell it. But I wanted to be the best. And if you're the best, you might as well be the most expensive, right? That makes sense. (laughs) So, So those were my two goals to be on the upper right-hand corner of the graph of quality of work for headshots and expense. So I was constantly raising my prices. In the beginning, my first headshot session that I got a client for myself, the second client that I shot, I guess, was $75 for an unlimited session, unlimited changes of clothes, and it included five retouched images.
0: Not the most expensive.
1: I really regretted that when I realized that the five images he chose. All included a bunch of tiny little hairs on his forehead because he got a haircut on the way to my apartment <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, so it took forever and it was you know 15 bucks a, <laughs> 15 bucks an image uh, but he was like he wrote a review for me on Google that I got started early and he said this guy knows light and he knows people I really love my headshots so I, I think I went to like 125 for four images the next shoot and like my tenth client, it was 250 I think, for the session and two images. This is in my apartment. Had to move all the furniture to the side. And he walked in and we shot some. We were viewing images and he said, you know, I'd pay a lot more for this. If it had been a lot more. He's like, I'm not going to pay a lot more now. But uh, this is worth more than 250 I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to raise my prices again. If the client tells you to raise your prices, raise your prices. So I kept pursuing this. And you asked uh, how I got from 68 to 380. Well, I went 12,000 first year as a side hustle, 68,000 three quarters of the year full time. Then I jumped up to 122. Then 60% of my income in 2019 was groups. In 2020, people stopped being in groups. (laughs) So (laughs) I stopped doing the group headshots. So I went from 122 to 102 which sounds like less. It is less money. But I knew that my business was growing because what I had done was taken the 40% of my business that was individuals and doubled it, doubled the income. So I earned 80, whatever, 5% of my last year, but 60% of the income from last year, that kind of income was gone. So I knew that it was going well. It was just a hard time. Um, Going into 2021, I changed three things about how I do business. I followed and had been following even before it was called this, the TNT method, which is a sales system for headshot photography and hugely helpful. Uh, The pricing side of it is that the session is a certain amount and the image is a certain amount. And the idea is to give a great experience with variety, but, you know, great images, great variety, great experience, smooth sailing, communication before the session. And then you sell more images because you give a great experience and you have variety and you ask them how many they want instead of how many they need. They haven't bought one or three or five, so they're not locked in. They know they're going to buy at least one and they buy more. And then you make more money parlaying a great experience into sales so i had been following that but i went to what i call one to one pricing so i went from 300 for the session and 150 per image to 290 for the session and 295 per image right so let's see it's uh instead of 450 for one session (laughs) and one image it's 600 just under and so basically it is uh I lowered the barrier to entry. So people need to trust you to book you and they to a degree need to trust themselves. (laughs) So they could think this guy's a great photographer. I love all his work. I've been following him for a year. I don't think that he could do that with me though, because I'm terrible at photos. So a higher, relatively higher session fee is a barrier to entry. It's much better to have them even i'm even going to experiment maybe with a higher image price than a session fee by more than five bucks because once they're in your studio and they have a great experience i think the i took one economics course the demand curve is inelastic they're pretty much going to buy the images they love regardless of price because they're amazing images, it's been a great experience. Much better than all their past experiences. They just love the images. They want the images. They're going to use the images. Never seen themselves like that before. I had a woman cry yesterday in the studio, and she actually bought eighteen images for forty nine ninety on top of the seven sixty. What is it? Seven sixty session fee with hair and makeup. So I think they're going to buy what they want anyway. So if your images are priced higher, you're going to do better if you do a good job for them.
0: Wow. It sounds like you, I mean, well you are, you're mean describing a traditional portrait photography studio's way of doing business that you're applying at the headshots and not not limiting what the client can buy. I mean, it's not up to us to assume what they want and what they'll spend. And that's what you're applying to your business. Is that right?
1: Yes. Well, Megan DePiro, that you had on the podcast yes. a few podcasts ago, I was very influential. So I was starting to build high-end portraits and I did her program and went through the way she says we should price and it ended up at 295 per image. And then I was like, I wanted to have the ability to do some portraits in a headshot session. And I was like, how do I explain that this headshot is worth 150 this portrait is worth 295 it's like, I'm going to just make them all the same price at the portrait price. So that was very influential. So I changed to one-to-one. Uh, to me, that means I'm more expensive. So I didn't want people just going to my web page website, and seeing the prices and leaving. I wanted a chance to explain what I do that's different, that makes it worth that. I wanted a chance to get to know them. I wanted to get a chance to, for them to ask questions. And I wanted to get a chance to close on the phone. So I went to an opt-in pricing model where you can't go on my website and see the pricing. It's not available. You have to enter at least dummy information for your name, your phone number, your email, and I have an optional message box. And so I do get occasional junk inquiries that it's No name at gmail.com and (laughs) 22222222222. And, you know, I assume it's probably a photographer, just someone who doesn't want to give me their email. But most of my inquiries have that information and they often fill out the message, you know, I'm getting a new job. I need this by this date, or I just lost 70 pounds, or I'm applying to my residency, or whatever. You get valuable information. So, I call them immediately. So, John, just let me ask you one thing here. So if someone
0: enters in dummy information, they don't see the prices, do they? Because it goes to their email.
1: So when people fill out the information, I do put check your email on my page to incentivize them that that's how they're going to get it. But when they fill it out, I get the inquiry information to my email. They get the first email in a drip campaign all of which have a booking button that leads to the page that they're also redirected to right away that has my pricing and a calendar page. Got it. So someone booked today, she filled out the information. It was like 15 minutes later, I hadn't gotten a chance to call her. I didn't see the email and she booked unassisted. So it doesn't mean people can't book unassisted, but it allows me to reach out to people who put their correct information in and have a conversation. So... I was able to connect with them, explain the process, which is much different than the average headshot session. And I'm able to book a good number of clients. So I was booking more people and the prices were higher if they bought even one image. And if they bought many images, it was a lot more. The third thing I changed was collections. And this comes from Megan's portraits model. That's where I learned it, at least. So one-to-one pricing and TNT means that they haven't bought images. They're open to whatever. It basically keeps there from being a ceiling. Like I already bought three. I'm just going to get three. I've spent all the money I need to spend on headshots. Three will be plenty. And then they come in and maybe they'll buy a fourth, (laughs) but maybe they'll just stick with three because that's what they were planning. They don't want to spend any more money. Collections kind of raises the floor. So I have special pricing for six, 12 and 18 images. To me, this is enabled by a higher image price. If I were $50 an image, I can't offer 10 for the price of eight or hundred bucks off 15 images or whatever, but I'm, I'm fine with selling six images for Three forty instead of three sixty five an image for four. <laughs> Absolutely yes. Yes. So I have a collection of six that is I think it's two hundred dollars off. My images now are three sixty five, so it's less than an image off. And then it gets to be a bit more. Twelve is thirty six ninety right now. Eighteen is forty nine ninety.
0: Right. So you're incentivizing people to take one of those packages because they're going to save a little bit. They're getting all the things they want.
1: Yes, it alleviates the feeling of like, oh man, these are so good and I didn't want to spend $6,000 on these headshots. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it's a little little bonus. And I present it as such. I think it's very important that I print it out on a nice, uh, it's a half piece of paper. Uh, It's cardstock. It has some of my images, has very clearly laid out the a la carte price at the top, the collection numbers and quantities, and then they can add six for 990 after they get to 18 so when they get to about 30 images I do image selection right after the session and uh, I bring it out I'm like I have a surprise for you you didn't know this <laughs> but I have special pricing for 6 12 and 18 images 18 is 4990 12 is 3690 and six is 1990 if you get to 6 12 or 18 you lock in that special pricing let's narrow down some more and then often they'll look at that and look at some of the images that are up on the screen and look back at the card. And the thing they most often say is let's get it down to six. And I'm like, great. (laughs) I went from an average of three to four images at 150 now to six images at 1990 fairly regularly. That's so good. So I'm happy to get them down to six. Let's delete away that we get to six and then wrap this up.
0: So what happens if they get down to seven? They get the package price plus one at the a la carte pricing?
1: That's right. And sometimes I do explain that. But yeah, they lock in the six and then they pay a la carte until they get to the next collection.
0: Got it, got it. And what kind of software are you using as a headshot photographer to show these galleries after a session?
1: I use Capture One to tether into, and then it's a great way to either have them say yes or no, and we talk about the images if they want as we go through but they say, yes, it becomes a one star. They say, no, it's deleted. Then we look at the one stars until they don't want to delete any more images.
0: Got it. Okay. John, so what I'm unsure about is when I look at your website and your galleries, there is, like you said, there's there's a certain look that you have to your images, but you must be creating quite a bit of variety that we're not seeing on the website for your clients, or are they just picking up on little nuances that they like so they want to have all the images? premium members of Photobiz exposed
1: hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest
0: i've got two maybe three more questions to ask john and i'll let you go you mentioned objections so i'm guessing that the main one that the listener might experience is you know whoa that's more than i thought oh wow that's 785 dollars oh wow i wasn't expecting it to be that much do you let them go at that point or do you answer that objection
1: No, I answer that objection. So I like it the most when they say, oh, that's expensive. And I say, yep. (laughs) You want to know why? You know, I'm cool with being the most expensive. So it's not a surprise. It is expensive. But I go into facial expression coaching. Sometimes I'll ask if they like their past headshots that were more reasonably priced and they never do. (laughs) So it's explaining the process to them. And, uh, you know, some are like, yeah, I just... I was wanting to spend, I had a guy tell me he wanted to spend about $60. It's like, well, (laughs) I don't think we're going to figure out a way to work together (laughs) going from 60 to 725. So I'm comfortable with people not booking because it's not what they're looking for. It's not something they value, but I don't let, you know, that's, that's a lot of money hold me back. I love that.
0: Do you actually help other photographers with this stuff as well?
1: Yes. Thank you. I have a coaching program on Facebook. It's named after my book, Making Bank with Photography. It's on my profile, So you can find it there if you can't find it in search. It's uh, almost 800 strong. And uh, really what I'm doing with the Facebook group is sharing an inside look into my business. I share weekly updates about how many sessions I booked, how many images people bought, I'm actually, I'm in Virginia. So it's a one-party consent recording phone calls state. So I actually have just uh, recorded two successful sales calls and I'm going to be posting those.
0: So in Virginia, there's a law that says you can record a conversation on the phone. Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah. As long as one person consents, including the person on the call. <laughs> well, that's you. <laughs> yeah, I consent. <laughs> um, obviously, I, I'm going to take out any credit card information and names and stuff. So it'll be pretty anonymous, but um, I'm going to share stuff like that. I share, you know, this stupid thing happened. I made a mistake and this happened. It was a slow week. And I obviously share the, the high points as well, but that's what I'm doing on the Facebook page. I have a monthly program that people could join. If they want to have group calls with me, I coach people, a few people for the course of a year one week at a time. Every week we have a call and we work on their business. Um, It's heavily headshot photography focused, but I think there's something for everybody in there.
0: That is awesome. John, I'm going to add links in the show notes, obviously to your group, which is John Meadows, Making Bank with Photography. I'll add a link to that, to your book, which you mentioned we haven't really talked about, um, to your LinkedIn profile and obviously where people can find you online and your website. Um, you've been amazing, John. It's been so good to talk to you. I just I just want to ask you one last thing because you shared something with me before we hit record that you were able to do for your parents that you thought would never happen. Can you just share that with the listener?
1: Yeah. So as I was, well, was a year and a half ago, I was talking to my dad. I, I share a lot about my business with my parents. Originally, it was to make them less concerned about me. And now it's just to uh, Impress them, basically. (laughs) Um, But I was saying, I want to make a million in a year. And when I make a million in a year, I'm going to buy a McLaren sports car for myself. And dad said, well, that's cool. That's cool for you. I would want a Mercedes. Um, But I get that you're younger and you want the McLaren. And I decided right then, I'm going to buy my dad a Mercedes before I buy anything for me. So we bought them a Mercedes GLC. We designed it. In December, it was shipped over, let's see, a few weeks ago. And we went to New Hampshire and picked it up with them. Dad added almost every option available, and uh, it came out to $60,000 with the extended warranty. And it was probably the most meaningful purchase I've ever made. My dad was an electrical engineer, gave up that kind of salary to become a pastor of the small church I mentioned. And uh, my mom, did daycare and home, stayed home with us, took care of a kid like long-term a couple years until they went to preschool. She told me this trip that she was making $5 an hour and um, they sacrificed to put me in a good school, homeschooled through 10th, put me in a great school in 11th grade. It changed my life, led me to a career or a short stint in law, a short career in politics and and led me to my wife and my kids and photography. Actually, my mom told me I might be good at photography before I even thought about making money with photography. So it's all related to what they did for me. So it was amazing to give them that.
0: Incredible. So, so good. What what a special, special moment. And, And to be able to do that for your parents is incredible. Did you document any of this or is this something you just kept to yourself? And your family?
1: I have uh, I have the video that my wife took when I told them that we were gonna buy them a Mercedes. We took them to the dealership blindfolded. Uh, my mom thought we might be going to look at ice sculptures. My dad thought we might be going to like a bookstore to buy like two hundred dollars of books for him. <laughs> he reads <laughs> a lot, and and we have where they open their eyes and it was shocked. Like what are what are we doing here? <laughs> So I have that. Wow. Is it online anywhere
0: or is that you've got that for yourself?
1: I haven't posted that yet, but I will. And then I posted some B-roll with music of the car and I have some video of them, like getting the car, pictures of them at the car, stuff like that.
0: Unreal. Well, please, please let me know when you decide to share those online and I'll, I'll link to those from the show notes because I know the listener would be love to see those as much as I would. Um, John, again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for sharing everything you have. You've been amazing. Congratulations on your success, and I can't wait to follow along and hear more in the future.
1: I know we're at an hour. Do you have, like, a couple more minutes or something that I think is – I mean, people are finding it really inspiring, and it's about goals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm only finishing up because I want to be conscious of your time. So, yeah, please share away.
1: Like a few more minutes. So yes, I did 380 last year. My goal this year is a million by myself. Uh, I recently hired a salesperson and now my goal for us next year between her selling group headshots and some individuals here and there, and my million is 2 million. I think that with a team of two, we can get to 2 million and then I'm planning next year to bring on another salesperson. She happens to be a sales manager and trainer in her past career So I'm going to have her train the new salesperson, I think. I'm going to bring on another photographer because I can't shoot more than $2 million of photography unless I really raise my prices a lot, (laughs) too much, too busy. So I'm going to need someone to also shoot with me. And then I think we'll be able to afford to bring on an assistant to help us all. So I'm looking at a team of five next year, I think. And the goal for the team of five would be three million a year. <laughs> okay, hang and on a sec.
0: When do you expect to hit one million?
1: I'm trying to hit one million without my salesperson's help this year.
0: Right by the end of this financial. Is it your financial year is January to December, isn't it? In the states, the
1: calendar year, yes.
0: Calendar year, right, okay. All right. So if you hit a million, or when you do, can you let me know, and we'll do a follow up. Oh yeah. And let's do that for two and three million as well.
1: Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. And then if you're still around, uh, my goal is to be a billionaire from headshots.
0: All right. Well, I would love to be able to record that interview.
1: So if you make $3 million a year as a photographer or anything, and your expenses are fairly low, I imagine that expenses will probably be 200000 two hundred thousand or so for the salesperson doing a million and a half 250 and then a hundred and hundred hundred and fifty 150 for the second salesperson doing the last million um, taxes you end up being able to contribute 125 thousand a month to an aggressive investment opportunities I'm looking at real estate if you do that from the time you're 34 which I'm going to be next month to 65 then you will be a billionaire by 85.
0: So you're going to be the McDonald's of headshot photography, <laughs> but high-end McDonald's, I should say. <laughs>
1: high-end, high-end McDonald's, yes. <laughs> if Only. So that's, that's the long-term goal that I think is attainable. And you know, if I make it a quarter of the way there, I'm still doing pretty good.
0: Damn right, damn right. Well, I'm looking forward <laughs> to the $1 and the $2 million interviews, and then uh, let's see where it goes from there. But I'm excited for you, and I'm, I'm interested to hear how it goes.
1: Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. All
0: right. Have a good one. Hope you enjoyed that interview with John as much as I did. John, if you are listening again, mate, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you did. I'm looking forward to hearing how things progress and all about you achieving the incredible goals that you've set yourself. So please keep in touch and let us know how that all plays out. For you, the listener, I do hope there were a ton of takeaways from what John had to share. If you do have a follow-up question for John, I'll be adding him into the members' Facebook group. So if you have a follow-up question, if you want to clarify something, or just say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did, you can do that inside the members' Facebook group. If you're a premium member, obviously. Uh, If you are not a premium member, there is a comments section at the bottom of the show notes for this episode. They are at photobizx.com forward slash 463. Now in those show notes, in addition to the comment section at the bottom, we can post any questions you might have to John. I'll make sure he sees those. I've also got links to anything and everything he mentioned. I've got examples of his fantastic work. It's all there in that one spot on the show notes page, including links to the video That John recorded when he was able to gift his parents, his dad in particular, a brand new car. So check out the links in the show notes. You can also find links to John's website, his social media profiles, and of course, his Facebook group, Making Bank with Photography. That is it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you have an incredibly successful, fun, and fulfilling week ahead, no matter where you are in the world. Please stay safe, healthy, and well, and I'll be back next week with another interview. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest.